Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies, and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Terry Kozlowski. Terry is a Native American, um, I'm sorry, (laughs) Native American Terry Kozlowski is a certified life coach, blogger, the author of Raven Transcending Fear, and founder of Soul Solutions. She specializes in empowering women by teaching them to set personal boundaries, reframe the stories they tell themselves, overcome their fears, and push past their limiting beliefs. Terry, welcome to the space. Hi there. Hello, Terry. I apologize for messing up. I will I will fix and edit that out. <laughs> That's not a problem. <laughs> Got a little little human experience there getting tripped up. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? I am good, thank you. It is very nice. I'm looking forward to spending this hour chatting. Um, I've read the tiniest bit about you there. Could you please give people a little bit more about who you are and whatever you want to share and whatever you want to start? We'll dive in more later, but yeah. Okay. My story is really a sad story of trauma. Uh, I had a, um, a traumatic childhood with my mother. And because of that, I became uh, very terrified of the world, terrified of people, terrified of myself. Um, not believing or trusting in myself. And because of that, um, when you have trauma, especially when you're a child, you not, number one, you don't understand what happened. And as you g- get older, trying to shift your perspective from one of being a terrified little girl to one of being a grown adult with a child and a husband and a family and a job, taking on those responsibilities with a very different mindset than you would have had had you not had that trauma. So for me, my book, Raven Transcending Fear, was my story about the journey I took to transcend the fear that was caused by the uh, childhood trauma. Mm. Thank you for this, Terry. And I really appreciate I'm looking forward to this topic and just so many things that you said already of um, shifting perspective, trusting, self-doubt, the journey, the mindset. Uh, 
I'm just looking forward to doing a deeper dive to hear more of your thoughts. So, but before we do all of that, we are going to do our would you rather question. Are you ready? Ready. <laughs> Ta-da. Okay. So, Terry, would you rather be able to control the weather or talk to animals? I do both already. <laughs> ah, tell us more. Controlling the weather really is about your energy. And if you are a happy, happy-go-lucky person and whatever the weather is, it's the perfect weather for the day. You know, currently in Atlanta, we're expecting um, some winter weather, which is extremely rare for this time of year. We had 70 degree weather last weekend, 79, almost 80. And overnight, we're supposed to get flurries. And it's interesting, we're, it's my husband's birthday weekend, so we have celebrations tonight and tomorrow, and I'm wearing a really cute, strappy little dress to go out tonight, <laughs> and, my, and I was like, am I going to change that? No, the weather's going to be perfect. I added a scarf to my outfit, and I'll be looking fabulous, and he'll be having a good time tonight. So, you know, it's really about your attitude towards what is, and if you accept what is, instead of struggling against it, you find out that you're going to be a happier person and you flow with the universe instead of fighting against it and trying to paddle upstream. When if you just let go and be, the, the universe will take you exactly where you need to go. Oh my gosh. I love that. You're like, I'm already doing that <laughs> next. <laughs> but, but that aspect of yes, controlling the weather, it's about energy. It's mm -hmm. per like, whatever it is, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And talking to animals. Good gracious. We all do that. And if you ever, ha if you ever had a pet, do you not say, you know, I say good morning to my pet every morning and I, we go to the bathroom together. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just, you, we do it already. And what's interesting is um, because I'm Native American, I started searching um, for different things like my spirit animal. Like I know, for example, that um, my clan is the Raven clan and that's my, um, my mother's side of the family. We we're the Raven clan. So all of my life, crows and blackbirds have shown up at various points in my life. And then interestingly, when I started asking what my spirit animal was, um, it was almost like, you silly goose, you already knew this because I've had very intimate encounters with snakes on and off throughout my life. And so has my dad. So it's like my dad passed the, the snake down to me. And oh my God. Oh, I am like shivering as you're saying that. I have a huge fear of snakes. I'm sorry to interrupt you. On my eyes, if you can see me, my eyes are huge. And you know, I <laughs> I don't have a fear of snakes. I and I understand why people do. I've had pet snakes. I've you know my so it's not. I've hatched snack, uh, snake eggs. You know, I we caught a black snake at one point and we put it in a container to show my son when he got home from school because he would have been about uh, eight or nine years old at the time. And the plan was to set it free after he came home. We owned property and we had wood. So he came home and we went to show him and she had laid 12 eggs. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I'm like, how do I deal with these eggs? So I got online and found out how to do them. And uh, I think it was 16 weeks later, I had 12 baby snakes. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the ravens. <laughs> <laughs> go back to the ravens a little bit more um actually what i want to touch touch on is first of all before we're diving into our, our other questions is so it's almost like telepathy with animals it's like talking to the animals it's like really wanting to know what they're saying and what they're thinking it's like on that kind of level um of talking to them which so many of us do we know what our animals one in a sense there's like those moments of exchange where where mm -hmm. but the ravens maybe if you want to say anything to that point but the um when you said the ravens just kind of showed up in your life uh, maybe if you could just say a little bit about that before we move on so my um my native yeah. american heritage is athabascan northwest coast and the raven is my family's um clan animal. And interestingly enough that most people consider the raven, um, because it's all black, to be linked with death or lost and normally is considered a negative warning. But the raven is merely connecting this world to the spirit world. Mm -hmm. So in the Bible, there are examples of God's provision. In Greek mythology, they show them associated with light and wisdom. African cultures, they are a guide. In Asia, they are messengers of the gods. Within Norse mythology, the raven symbolizes the mind and intelligence. Even Dr. Carl Jung, famed uh, psychologist, used the raven as a symbol of the shadow self. So there's great symbolism for the raven and understanding that it's the balance between light and dark through wisdom. And is that not speaking directly to everybody on the planet that we all have this this light side and this dark side within us that we're trying to deal with and trying to figure out the best way to walk on the planet and staying in the light versus living in the dark of the egoic mind. Mm. Yeah. So for me, the Raven showed up in different ways. Um, I noticed when I started riding motorcycles with my husband that right before we went on a trip, I would see three Ravens. No, three crows because there's no ravens in Georgia. I would start seeing, I would see three crows every trip and normally within the first mile. And the time I didn't see three ravens, there were problems with the trip. But every time that there, I saw the three, excuse me, crows, there weren't any issues on the trip. So now I look for them when I leave for a trip to make sure I see three of them. <laughs> oh, as, wow. they're as they're telling me they've paved the way and my trip will be um, productive and, and fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's this awareness. It's really being aware, right? Of correct of seeing the signs, of seeing the symbols, of being connected, of uh, of just yeah. It's these little things that people brush off as oh, no big deal, whatever. That's a coincidence, and there are no coincidences. There is none. There, the coincidences are what the egoic mind uses to make connections instead of understanding that the universe is always giving you signs, symbols, encouragement, and guidance. That's what the egoic mind sees as coincidence. If you are awake and aware, you see them as just that, signs, symbols, guidance, encouragement, mm -hmm. By because that's part of using your creative brain. Yeah. Yeah, it's all being open to it and letting it flow. It's that 
being open and being closed, that closed of, of when I was speaking to somebody earlier, I uh, was talking about the whole aspect of, okay, well, we need to be innovative. We need to be innovative. We're being innovative. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> like that's so much pressure by repeating over and over and over again. Well, we're going to be out of the box. We're going to be innovative. And there, there's a different tone to it. It's being open and letting it flow through and knowing what the goal is at times. Sometimes things unravel, of course, in the ways that you least expect it. But if you have that pressure of that thing with that negative energy to it, it's really hard to pull it through. Well, we don't, we're not creative when we're closed. No. We can't be. We can't yeah. be. No, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's like door shut, mind shut. Mm -hmm. um, so here we go. So let's lead into perfect segue to first official question, which is, uh, Terry, how do you define creativity? Play and action. Mm -hmm. That's my definition, play and action. Because the reality is, if you look at children, before, especially before the age of seven, you are looking at the epitome of authenticity of being. Because children haven't learned to completely yet close themselves off to the, the creativity that is for them learning. They learn through play. They're very tactile. They, they're very inquisitive, you know. Why, mommy? Why, 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 why? When you, those are those types of things that as we get older, we lose that. And part of that is because children tend to work with the right side of the brain. And as we grow up, we shift to the left side of the brain because you have responsibilities and you have to start being analytical about things. And what people don't realize is to be creative, you have to have both sides working together, which means you have to open up that right side of the brain again. And that right side of the brain are all those fun things you did as a kid. So for me, um, I was very creative as a child, had bad things happen to me, shut down my creativity. And then in my teenage years, started getting back into it because it was an outlet for emotions. And that's what, the other thing that people don't realize is that when you're creative, even if you are taking a black pencil and just scribbling like crazy darkness on a page, it's that coming out of you. That's the releasing aspect of it. And it's very, very healing. That's why so many, um, there's such great healing in any type of creative arts if people actually allow themselves to explore that area. You'll find out healing occurs much faster, especially from traumatic incidences, if you have and are able to tap into that creative side of yourself. So for me, creativity is play in action. And what I mean by that is it's going back into that childlike state of mind and figuring out what you like to do. Mm -hmm. So I decided I do what um, I call a happiness project uh, created by Gretchen Rubin uh, based on her book, where instead of doing New Year's resolutions, I pick a every month I have a theme and I work on something to better myself that month. If, and one of the things that I did several years ago when I started this was I wanted more 
play in my life. And I didn't quite understand how to put that into practice, but I happened to have a four-year-old granddaughter. Mm -hmm. So I started taking her into the studio and started finger painting with her. And that kind of led to other things. So I ended up getting a calendar that had a color page in it. Every week you would have to color the page for the calendar. And with a set of color pencils, I started doing that. And it just it grew from there. And interestingly enough, I ended up taking painting classes. And after I did the painting classes, my husband built me a studio in my house. And I, I can go in there and create whenever I want to. But interestingly that I realized looking back, had I not done that, the book would never have come out of me because I was not tapping into my creativity on a regular basis. And only when you do that, can you create something like a book or yeah. like, like my podcast, those comes from, from that creativity deep inside. And it starts with play, playing with your grandchildren and remembering, oh yeah, I used to love to color or paint or whatever, whatever it is that brings out that fun. Um, a lot of people playing sports is fun and that's part of a creative process for them. And what it's whatever it is that your soul loses time doing, hmm. not work. Cause you, unless you are passionate about your work and you can be, I'm very passionate about what I do. So lots of times I can sit and write for hours and it doesn't seem like any time has passed because I enjoy it so much. But if you are painting and you're drudgingly going through it and you're not enjoying it and you're like, it's, you know, good gracious, it's only been 30 minutes, then it's, that's not what is fun for you than that you're not actually being creative. You're forcing yourself to do something that you're not enjoying. Yeah. I, ha I have to acknowledge what you just said of, of whatever it is your soul loses time doing. Like that captures mm -hmm. so much of what it is in the essence. And also to go back, uh, like the happiness project that you mentioned, so beautiful, every month a theme and so much beauty just in that concept of the happiness project. Um, is This is a book you said? Yes, Gretchen Rubin wrote a book several years ago called The Happiness Project, where she outlines um, it's uh, how she wanted, she would say she wanted to spend more time with her kids, but she never actually made the time to, to spend, that, spend it with them. So one month she said, you know, all I'm going to do with my extra time is spend it with my kids. Mm -hmm. um, and how much joy that brought versus the frustration of having a small child come up to you and say, mommy, play with me. And no, I'm busy doing this. And the reality is if you just gave that child 10 minutes, they're off running to do something else. And, and you can go back to what it was you were doing, but giving them that 10 minutes of undivided attention and undivided time is very important for that child. So, and, and cause children really don't demand, you know, they don't demand 30 minutes of your time five minutes here, 10 minutes there, you know, because they want to show you something. Look what I did. Right. And understanding that her goal was she wanted more joy and less stress in her life. She was, she was looking at ways as, well, this makes me happy when I do it. Why don't I love to hike? Why don't you go hiking? You know, so, right. and you start calendaring those, calendaring those things. So, you know, Start putting that, you know, one day a month, you're going to go hiking. 
it doesn't have to be an all day hike. It can be, you know, you go to the park and hike with your kids through the pass that they have there, you know, for an hour. And, you know, it's about putting those things. You're not devoting, you know, I'm not going to go hiking once a week, every week for the next 52 weeks. It's starting out with those small steps. Because then you also find out, well, I used to like it as a kid. I don't like it now. I used to love colored pencils as a kid. I'm not real thrilled with colored pencils now. I'd rather paint. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's growing with it. It's all in the baby steps. And it's mm-hmm. all in, it's, I really like, thank you for drawing attention to that fact of, um, that it doesn't have to take a really long time. This is how we incorporate things into our lives. We make it easy. It's it's like the book, The Artist's Way. Uh, you know, take yourself on a date. You take mm-hmm. yourself on an artist date, whatever that looks like, whether it's, it is, you want to be out in nature and you're going to take a half an hour to go walk through this nice area that makes you feel good where you can just relax and either alone or with other people, with a friend, whatever that looks like to you, because it brings you joy and it brings you relaxation and recalibration, whether it's treating yourself to that drink that nourishes you, that, um, isn't, which we deny ourselves. We deny ourselves these things because we're like, that's too, that's too indulgent that's too. I know somebody who all she wanted from the store was these um, coffees that like these peppermint coffees that you bought in a six pack. Mm-hmm. And she didn't buy it for herself because it was like $2 more than she thought it was going to be. I was like, oh my God, go back to that store right <laughs> now and buy that for yourself because you are worthy of that. What like mm-hmm. what, We get caught in this hole, which is why I started my company, I Am Creative, and which is why this podcast exists on my end, is to have these conversations which show that creativity goes beyond a pencil and a paintbrush, that it is life, that it is how we show up. And as adults, like, slow down. (laughs) We're always so, quote unquote, busy. But spending that 10 minutes with a child that comes up to you that says, mom, dad, look, We have 10, even if we're in the middle of something, just say, sweetie, and just give me, give me just a few minutes. I promise I'm going to set the timer. I'll be right with you. Mm -hmm. One of the great things about Julian Cameron and the Artist Way, and I happen to have uh, taught a creative cluster of that particular book, Mm -hmm. uh, is the fact that she really points out very well that every person on the planet is creative. And there, you know, there are so many people that don't think that they are creative. And I, as soon as somebody tells me that, and I said, that's a lie. (laughs) So why are you lying to yourself? And they start talking about the fact that they weren't artistic. And there's a very different, there's a huge difference between being artistic and being creative. And artistry, if you're going to look at painting or writing or whatever the world society deems as artistic music is very different when you start looking at it from a commercial sense versus creativity, which is really and truly about understanding that whatever the present moment activity is, that you are giving your 100% authentic self to and you are now in flow with the universe, that's creativity. Whatever it is you're doing in that. If you are 
an industrial engineer and you are creating CAD drawings and you lose yourself in what you think is 15 minutes and it has been an hour and a half, you are creative because you gave yourself entirely to that pursuit that you got full joy from and lost time. When we lose time, that's a clear indication that we were creative. I appreciate the distinction. Um, yeah, that's great. I mean, there is, when in going to art school, there is industrial design, like out of mm -hmm. all of the things that there are. So being the artistic aspect of things, there's a lot of subjectivity to things. But Correct. you know, when you do go to places, there's, you know, painting, fibers, graphic design, um, illustration, industrial design, um, film, uh, glass blowing, singing, you know, there's all of these, there's all of these things that exist that fall under those categories. But then in actual creation of things, there's so much subjectivity as to how people view things. You know, so if you look at somebody like Pablo Picasso, there are lots of people that think that's just craziness and ha ha would never hang those paintings in in their house if they were given them it, because it is subjective what art is versus something you know just like writing some people prefer poetry other people can't stand poetry all of that is very subjective that doesn't mean that you're not artistic exactly the, my my point was is that there are so many people that because they don't paint because they don't create oh music, yes Please. they think that they, they're not creative, and I always challenge that the minute I get the opportunity to. Exactly. You and I are exactly on the same page. I spend my life, <laughs> I've spent 30 years um, talking to people about this and all of the spaces that I've been. So, yes, the more of us that there are, the better. So we can be cheerleaders for people because I have truly seen that when people own this aspect of themselves and see themselves as a creative being, as they deny themselves for so long, they literally stand up straighter. Mm -hmm. They they feel more worthiness in themselves. They they feel more connected with others because they're more connected with themselves. So they feel like they have more to offer, and they're happier humans. <laughs> like correct. It, it just it it just is. So so before we move on. Um, Tell us a little bit more about your journey in, in what you do, how you've gotten to where you are. I would appreciate that. Okay. So from a creative standpoint, is that what no, we're talking just about? Li or we're life? talking life. This space okay. is about creativity is life. So, yeah. Okay. So from a life standpoint, uh, it was a long, arduous journey. And a lot of it was really based on the fact that you would – if you really and truly are in touch with your soulful self instead of the egoic mind, you will get these aha moments that come along and challenge your current perspective. And when those occur, and you're, sometimes your world gets turned upside down. And for me, every time that there has been a major shift that I needed to take, it was really done in a way that looking back the universe was pretty shocking i mean it had to it, it really did have to get my attention <laughs> so for ex for example um 
when I was growing up and I was a teenager, I was vocal enough about the fact that I had a traumatic childhood because I had triggers. If you came up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder, most likely I came around trying to hit you. Mm-hmm. So I was very aware that I didn't want to harm somebody. So I would always let people know, you shouldn't do that. I don't want to hurt you. That's not my intent, but it scares me. So don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to college and I had uh, a guy that I was eating lunch with uh, make a comment to me that I liked my victimhood. I was getting something out of being a victim. And I was a little taken aback by that. Yeah, because, you know, as as a victim, who are you to tell me anything about my victimhood? And for me, because he was a kind, gentle human being, he wasn't doing it out of anything but care and concern for me. Mm -hmm. And so it it caused me to pause and really think about it and I journaled about it. Julia Cameron is very keen on on morning pages, three day, every day, and uh, I've I've been doing that. So part of me journaling was realizing that I am getting something out of my victimhood. And when you really examine, okay, am I a victim or a survivor? Okay, as a victim, I tell everybody I'm a victim. I react like a victim to to whatever life circumstances come along. And more importantly, because I tell everybody I'm a victim, they leave me alone because they don't know how to handle me. They don't know what to say to me. So the one thing I wanted, you know, from the inegoic perspective, deep down was to be left alone because then I didn't have to deal with people. And I figured out at the age of 18 that there had to be a better way for me to be left alone than for me to play the victim. And when I made that conscious decision, I quit being a victim. I became a survivor. And as a survivor, there are amazing things that happen when you take that perspective shift. Because as a victim, other people control you. Fear controls you. The people who harmed you control your past, your present, and your future, because you are always looking at the past when you're a victim. Everything's about that traumatic event. The moment you become a survivor, you quit asking the question, why? And you start asking the question, now what? Uh. And that is a huge switch and mindset change. And when you start saying, now what? You now are then looking at the present moment and the future and the people who were the cause of your trauma, the people that were in your past, no longer have the power over how you are moving forward because you are now taking responsibility for those things that I say, do, and how I move forward. So I'm now responsible for my actions. I can't blame my mother and the trauma she caused on why I did X, Y, and Z. Well, because she, she, at that point, she wasn't even in my life. She wasn't around me. So how could I blame her for something that I consciously made a decision to do? I had to take responsibility. So when you take responsibility, even for your missteps, 
I don't like saying mistakes because mm. I think I think when we misstep, we are still moving forward. We're still moving in the direction that we want our life to go in. It's just that sometimes we do side steps um, or back steps instead of forward motion because we needed to learn something. There's a lesson that we have to learn in order to, to take the steps forward. I love that. So when we take missteps, we are to learn from those experiences. And in doing so, we are responsible then for how we change our mindsets. And instead of being fearful about everything, I was now becoming empowered. And as a victim, you are never empowered. But as a survivor, you empower yourself to take the responsibility to make better choices, to make right choices for yourself. That distinction is beautiful. Again, it is. Thank you. It is. It's a life-changing because there people will spend their whole lives in victimhood. They will. It's very. Yes. It's the, and it's not, it's not belittling what happened in your life. It's, it's not taking that. It's not making it small, but it's that whole point of, okay, like you said, am I going to live in fear or am I going to have this shift of stop asking why, but now what? Mm-hmm. And I am responsible for this moving forward. These missteps, these, these, that's beautiful. Instead of mistakes, moving forward, side back, because it's life. It happens in the art room. Um, and with people, uh, I, I would call it, you know, beautiful oops um, mm-hmm. from this, this great interactive book. I call it, it's a kid's book, but it's for everybody. Um, it's like, oh, oops, beautiful oops, try again. That would always be the mantra when, uh, cl- before class would start, it would be establishing the four expectations in the class. And the fourth one was, what happens if we make a mistake? Beautiful oops, try again. Doesn't mean just rip it apart, throw it away. It just means, okay, now it's something different. Let's figure it out. Because um, that's how we would discover new things. But Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because, because sometimes when you're doing something artistic, so whether when I'm writing, sometimes I write a sentence and I really love it. And then I go back to the editing portion of it and I'm like, why did I like that sentence? What was it that I was, because you're in, in the flow. And when you're in the flow versus being in your egoic mind, because your egoic mind does editing. Mm -hmm. It's not the, it's not the creative part of you that does editing. Okay. And that, and we have to remember that if we're being in an, if we're in an art class and we're painting or we're doing colored pencils or we're doing charcoal, whatever it is we're doing that, When we're in flow, things go smoother. And the minute that we say, oh, that's a mistake, we've switched out of that creative mode into the egoic mind who's now editing instead of allowing that flow to continue and realize that maybe you just discovered a new way to blend something. Which actually going to what I call this, which is exploring our ego and emotions. So as you've mentioned so beautifully, the ego already throughout this chat, it is, it's like when this, when you just said that, and that egoic mind makes edits, it's that, think about that emotion that it pulls up inside of you. 
as it's making that? Is it like, well, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be doing this anyway. I was never good at this. Um, Let's is, talk is, about is it going? Is, is that is that emotional <laughs> feeling of like all of that? Yes, going right to worthiness, or is it like that excitement or that the joy of oh yeah, a little misstep here. Let's let's see what grows from that. There's like all these emotions um, that can be so, triggered. Correct, and if your emotion is oh what's that, you're still in creative flow. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you say, oh, that's a mistake, then you're now back into the egoic mindset. So let, let me give a definition of what I believe the ego is. Okay. okay. Because for a lot of people, especially tr- people who've had trauma in their lives, they think the ego is something that's protecting them. And truth and, and right down, bottom line is that's the ego's job. It is to protect you. The problem is if you've had trauma in your childhood, the ego goes into overdrive because it thinks that, especially for me, my mother was the reason for my trauma. So therefore, if you can't trust your mother, who can you trust? So Mm -hmm. I just had a distrust of everybody because you can't trust your mother. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And my mother also had would come on out and say negative things like, I could never love you. So if your mother can't love you, who on the planet can love you? Okay. Yeah. So I had a lot of worthiness issues, a lot of realizing that, you know, obviously I wasn't enough for my mother. Obviously I must be broken. I can't be whole if somebody can't love me. So you have all of this. And I realized that for, as I started doing my work is that, Everybody feels that way. It's not just those who suffer trauma. Everybody has worthiness issues because somewhere along the way, someone, somebody, some adult told some child, you know, that's incorrect. And, and especially art teachers. I really have a problem with art teachers who tell, because I was painting in, in high school. I had an art teacher tell me I wasn't good at painting. So yeah. I, didn't pick up, I didn't pick up a paintbrush for 25 years. Guess what? I was not out to become a professional artist. I didn't want to go to college to become an artist, any of that. I just like to paint. Right. So who, how that art teacher handled her art classes was incorrect because if you're looking at, okay, we're going to look at how to, if you're drawing, how to, to draw perspective, I can see grading kids on, did they get the drawing of perspective correct? Versus saying that if it's a free form class and you get to create whatever you want out of clay, that everybody then should get an A because they're being creative with their piece of clay. Mm-hmm. And I had one friend in, in that class who um, made a perfect square with levels and everything. So every side was perfect. And the teacher did, did not give her a good grade because she wasn't creative with her block of clay. Oh. But in her mind, she was. And I thought it was fabulous. <laughs> so, but that's, mm. one of those, that's one of those things that our, our worthiness 
and get shut down or being enough gets shut down. And so one of the things that I'm very keen on is making sure that people understand worthiness has nothing to do with anything outside of you, anything you can do, anything you can't do. You are worthy because you are authentically you. So if you are wearing a mask or armor or a label and not being your authentic self, then, then you are hiding your worthiness from the world. If, however, you are living authentically, being create, fully creative, fully present, and being creative, then you are completely worthy because worthy comes from your, your authenticity. Being enough. Look at a newborn baby. Nobody's looking at a newborn baby saying she's unproductive. <laughs> she didn't do anything today but sleep, eat, and poop. She's so to, unproductive. I have to say, my mother-in-law, I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> she makes you rest <laughs> in peace, said about our son. She looked at him and she, oh, are you going to tape his ears back? <laughs> <laughs> I looked at her and I said, seriously? He has your son's ears. <laughs> I was like shocked that you would say that about a newborn. Like in one of the first, within the first 10 minutes of seeing your first grandchild from us. <laughs> but this, this comes from, you know, if you look at a newborn baby, you know that baby just being authentically itself is more than enough just as it is. Right. So why then do we think that anything but being authentic isn't enough? Why is it that if I'm a great writer and Hollis is a great painter, and but she's not a great writer, that she's not enough? Right. She has different qualities. She has different talents. She has a different light to shine into the world than I do. And it's more than enough. For Hollis to be exactly who she authentically is, just like it's more, I'm just more than enough, just as I authentically am. So, our being enough comes from our, our authenticity. Our being worthy comes from being authentically you, comes from just being. It's not humans doing, it's humans being. And that being is already worthy, it's already enough. And one of the things I discovered is, you know, a lot of people think they're broken because they've had some, something bad happen in their life. And what I realized is nobody on the planet is broken. For all the trauma that I've been through, I was never, ever broken. Now, I can tell you I was fragmented. And what I mean by that is when we've had bad things happen to us, when we've had trauma in our lives, when we start to allow the egoic mind as a teenager to make us conform so that we feel accepted by peers and we start putting on masks and armor and labels that other people give us, then we start fragmenting our authentic selves. And that is where you start feeling broken. It's not that you aren't whole underneath all of that. When you start peeling off those layers, and I think everybody goes through some sort of 
I think they used to call it a midlife crisis, but now they're calling it different things. But basically what happens is you come to a place in your life, you say, I just can't handle this anymore. And really what it is, is you are sick and tired of being something you aren't. Mm -hmm. Of the mass and the labels that other people have put upon you. You know, my, my dad and my sister have labels that they've put upon me. That's not who I am. They really, truly do not know who I am today. They, who they think I am, was the uh, teenager at home in the right. 80s. Right. And they don't know who I th authentically am anymore. And, you know, trying to get them to sit down and talk to me, you know, they start putting, you know, getting defensive. And as soon as they start getting defensive, you know that the authentic conversation and the authentic connection that you're trying to make with another person doesn't exist. Right. And you cannot communicate and sh share life experiences and make an authentic connection if you cannot communicate and be authentically you. Because as soon as defenses come up, you have those masks and labels and armors that get put upon you, either put upon you or you start to conform so that, all right, this isn't worth me getting all upset over. They're going to get upset too. So we just shut up. Right, right, right. Yeah. And when, when, yeah, when we do that, we're shutting off our authentic selves and that is where we start feeling the brokenness. Yes. Yes. I, I, I like the, again, I'm going to keep using this word the distinction between the fragmented and the broken. Um, as we're getting to the top of the hour, I want to move on to the next question and then get to the third. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this has been wonderful. And I want to welcome the people here with us live. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. Any questions or comments, please feel free to put them in the chat box below. Um, so you mentioned a little bit to us, Terry, about uh, how you incorporate creativity into your own life. Maybe is there anything else you'd like to share, either both personal um, your personal life and work that you do to incorporate it in? I, uh, based on the artist's way, um, I start my first hour of every day is Terry time. It's uh, uninterrupted time and my household respects Terry time. And Terry time has several things that occur in it. I light a candle. I meditate. I do mantras. I journal three pages every morning. I write I am statements. And I have quiet time where I ground myself every day so that I remind myself that I'm connected to spirit. I'm connected to the universe. And I am constantly in a state of flow with the universe because I struggle against nothing. I'm not going to struggle against what is. And by doing that every morning, I, and I can always, I can tell you when I don't do it, bad shit happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the crows. <laughs> <laughs> it's because my, when you are one with spirit and understand that you are a spiritual being going through this world and you're supposed to be in flow with the universe and that everything is going to work out as long as you stay in flow and the moment that you, I don't get grounded in the morning other things go haywire because I don't get that I don't make that connection mm. and that connection is vital for me yeah yeah I, I completely understand that there's nothing worse than that feeling which I've experienced and if anybody else 
listening um, has experienced when you sleep through your alarm and <laughs> and all of a sudden you have to be somewhere uh, in like 10 minutes and there's that frazzled, you wake up, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and what I've kind of learned myself when it doesn't happen as much lately, it actually it has it happens pretty rarely now, um, but it's it's getting grounded it's like okay this happened let's move on let's recalibrate and uh assimilate some of the morning routine in the ways that can be done now and then we will revisit when we can but it's it's focusing in on the grounding mentally um and, I can, and breathing i can give you the fastest way to get grounded ready okay Okay, all you do is take three deep breaths to the count of five. Inhale for a count of five, hold for a count of five, release for a count of five. Do that three times and your autonomic nervous system kicks in and it absolutely lowers your heart rate, it lowers your breathing rate so that you actually physically calm down. It doesn't deal, necessarily deal with the mental chatter in your head that's going on. Oh my God, oh my God, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Mm -hmm. But it physically calms you down. And if you do that, um, for a little bit longer than those three, the three times, it will stop the mental chatter as well. Mm. So at, at five, it'll stop the mental chatter at three, you will physically calm down. And you can do that as you're, as when you get in your car and you're starting your car, you can do that as the car is warming up and your garage door is opening so you can leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Hear that ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for that. <laughs> Very quick reset because there's those people that are going to be like, I don't have that hour, but that's a matter of way. And for me, ladies and gentlemen, I am not a morning, morning person. My husband wakes up at four 30 in the morning. We have been together a very long time. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like I have not, I've never been able to fully wrap my head around that. I, I have always been, there's the story I've always been, but I've been the snooze presser. I've been the one who wants to sleep late, but in realizing these routines, if you want it in your life, then you need to set the earlier time to do it and incorporate it in because it is important. Well, our habit, our habits determine our success. Yeah. So whatever you put in and routines are how we start stringing together habits and we have to decide what activities do we need to do every day to help us attain our goals. And it may not, meditation isn't for everybody. Journaling isn't for everybody. But, you know, maybe the breathing exercises will work for somebody to get them grounded so they can start their day and continue on. Excuse me for one minute. I have to cough. Hold on. Goodness. Uh, sorry about that, everybody. <clears throat> I didn't want to cough loud in people's ears. Hold on. Let's get some water. Excuse me. Okay. So <clears throat> thank you for that. Is there anything else that you want to, um, I love how you, you've spoken about your painting. Is there anything else that you feel like uh, you want to mention? Not right now. What's the third question? The third question is, as we wrap it up and put a nice little bow on everything is, why do you think creativity is important? Creativity is how we are meant to live our lives. We are creative beings of light, period. 
That is, that is who we authentically are. And every day we are creating our tomorrows. Every day we are creating our happiness. Every day we allow the joy to bubble up from within us. We allow the peace within us to come and to share our light with others. And you can only do that through the creative process. Whether you are creating a cake for your husband's birthday this weekend, or <laughs> whether you are creating a painting, or you're creating a weekly blog, or you're creating a podcast show, whatever it is that you are creating, if you're creating an ad campaign for a product for a client, that is all creative processes. Nothing in this world occurs without it being created. So to say that you are not a creative being is a lie because you are creative. And women, especially women who have given birth to a child, that's the epitome of creativity. Yes, it is. Only a human woman can create that next living child. And with the help of a man, there well, is the, help in there. The, 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 there is help. There's absolutely need to help. Be there. <laughs> There's absolutely help from that end. But that creative process of being able to nurture yeah. that that tiny life force into a human being is something that is the epitome of creativity. And I, I'm now much older. And going through that whole menopausal state. And yeah. I've listened to some women who think that, you know, this is a horrendous period of time in their life. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm completely thinking the exact opposite. Because for me, yes, I may not be able to create life anymore. But that doesn't mean my creativity and that energy is leaving my body. That energy is just being shifted inside my body to create other things. And that's how it's, again, it's that shift in perspective where, you know, I'm not going to be a productive citizen of society anymore because I can't create a human life. No, that's, that's BS. I'm absolutely a creative being. I have not, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I have not thought of it with it because I'm through going, I'm through menopause in menopause where, and I have never thought of it as not being a productive human I, I haven't put those two together. I, I, I have the hot flashes. I have like, mm-hmm. there, there's the, there's the belly. There's like the, all the stuff that comes along that way. But um, no, I, I haven't connected it that way because I did create, which I'm so grateful that I could, that I mm-hmm. created these two amazing lives that uh, I just can't believe how much I love more every day. It's just amazing. I'm just truly, truly grateful. I don't know that it's, I know for older generations, that absolutely was something. I remember my grandmother telling me um, how sad she was that she wasn't going to be able to create life. And, and I um, asked her, I said, do you want to? Right. I mean, I mean, at that point, she was in her mid-50s. And she said, oh, no. I said, then I don't, under- I don't understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> then I don't understand. What, what's the issue? And it was just, I think part of it is, there's so much negativity towards menopause, mm-hmm. or at least at that time, it wasn't talked about. It is, and, e- and even for like my stepmother, when she started going through the change of life, it wasn't talked about. She didn't yeah. talk to any. So, you know, I'm, 
I'm more than being vocal about it. I don't have it. It is, you know, it's part of, of the life cycle and I'm not struggling against it. I'm accepting what is. And by accepting what is, I'm harnessing the power that I've been given. It's empowering me to continue creating in different ways. Yeah. I think you just gave me an idea. Maybe I'll have a whole episode on menopause. Have a few few guests. We can have a panel discussion. But uh, like what you just said about the life cycle, just kind of tying everything up that not struggling against it. It is, there is that, that concept of, of formation and creation and whatever that looks like in any aspect that you could apply it to. And whether it's work, whether it's personal, these things that you want to create, they go through cycles. I've gone through cycles of my own personal artwork that I do. It's, I have a love-hate relationship with Clay, which I studied. I'm, I'm personally, we're not in a relationship right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we get back to a relationship. Um, my business has been like so much of a, uh, of a growth, growing it from being a baby to now a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, collage and writing and so many things, they're all life cycles. But when we struggle against it, when we get in that ego, like you said, and that emotion, and we get stuck in it in that way. It's just, it doesn't grow. <laughs> it gets stuck. Keep in mind that what one of the things that I hear from a life coach perspective is that people get stuck in their feelings. Yes. And what, and feelings are something that is, we're supposed to pass through. We're not supposed to linger in any emotion. Okay. Emotion is egoic based. And the ego uses emotion to keep us stuck. The longer we stay stuck in anger or antagonism or frustration, frustration is really good for creatives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, When we get stuck in that, we stay stuck in the past. We get depressed and then we don't move forward. And the only way to overcome is to understand that you have to be in the present moment. And in the present moment, there is no struggle. There is no frustration because you are fully present. And right now, everything is fine because you're not looking at the past. You're looking at the present. You're looking towards the future. And being in the present is all we're ever given. Yeah. And we have to make sure that we stay present so that that creativity can flow because the creativity doesn't flow in the past and it doesn't flow in the future. It only flows in the now. Whoo. Perfect note to end on. (laughs) Go Terry. (laughs) Wow. So Terry, can you please uh, tell people how they can find you? Absolutely. You can find me at terrykozlowski.com. And my podcast is the soul solutions podcast.com. And my book is raventranscendingfear.com, which is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, reach out to me. I'm across all social media platforms. And you can listen to the podcast on any platform as well. So there's all kinds of ways to get in touch with me. But the best one is going to be through my website, T-E-R-R-I-K-O-Z-L-O-W-S-K-I.com. Perfect. So before we say our goodbyes, Terry, is there anything else that you feel like you want to share anything you feel like you missed everybody that's listening to my voice is perfect as their authentic selves you are not to be anybody 
but who you authentically are. And if you are that person, then you are worthy, you are more than enough, and continue to shine your light in the world because we need you now. We don't need you to be somebody that you're not. We need who you are authentically are. You were put on the planet at this time for a purpose. Live out your purpose and help heal the world. Amen. Oh my gosh, Terry. So much fun talking to you. Thank you for spending this hour chatting with us. You're more than welcome. It was a pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate you. And thank you to those here live, those catching the replay. This space is all about inspiring each other, sharing stories and connection. I believe we've always needed this, but we need it now more than ever. So please like, follow, share, get the word out so we can spread it and we can just lift people up because we need the lifting up. So I wish you wherever you are in this world, a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and be talking to you soon. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh? be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, coffee books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's, again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't. We are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link. And you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it. See what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story because we all have one. <laughs>